As I said a little bit earlier, we've been working our way through John's Gospel in our morning services and just been great to hear again an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. John was with him, he saw him, he touched him, he spent time with him. And John in his Gospel tells the story of God's new creation in Christ. And you remember that he writes the Gospel so that you might believe. That's the purpose of him writing, that you might believe in Jesus. And that if you do believe in Jesus, that you might continue to believe in Jesus. And from chapter 13 onwards, nearly 40% of the gospel has been about Jesus' last week here on earth. And here we come to the last hours of Jesus' earthly life. And we'll be reading from chapter 19 and uh, just the second part of verse 16. In my Bible, it's entitled The Crucifixion. It will appear on the screen. And then further on, just in this chapter, John says, The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth. He testifies so that you may believe. John wants you to know that the things he's about to tell you, he was there and he saw them. He's an eyewitness of the things that happened to Jesus. So let's read from John 19. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers crucified Jesus. They took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. 
Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bring a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one that they have pierced. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you that we can read the things that Jesus said and the things that he did from eyewitnesses who were with him and saw him and heard him. And as we look at this passage today, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will reveal to us once again just the incredible, awesome, amazing love that you have for us. That what happened to Jesus He did it for us. What he went through and what he accomplished has changed the world forever. Give us humble hearts, Lord, as we look at this. In Jesus' name, amen. On the 14th of July, 1941, as bombs began to drop on London, the then Prime Minister Winston Churchill addressed a group of London councillors. And I just want to pick out a few phrases of his speech. He said, We ask no favours from the enemy. You do your worst, And we will do our best. We shall never turn from our purpose, however somber the road, however grievous the cost, because we know that out of this time of trial and tribulation will be born a new freedom and the glory for all mankind. Winston Churchill was a man for a time. In our own history as a nation and in the history of the world, we recognize that he was a man for a time. 
Because in that time of the Second World War, there was evil rampant across Europe. Six million Jews slaughtered. When we come to the scriptures, when we come to the death of Jesus, we come to something much, much, much more significant. We come to the cosmic battle for every human being that God has made, whom he loves, and who the enemy seeks to take with him. The enemy of God is described in the Bible as the devil or Satan. It's the same word, one a Hebrew word, one a Greek word. So when John writes his gospel about this new creation, he is talking about God coming to put things right on earth. And he comes himself. And in this chapter, chapter 19 of John's gospel, we see Satan at his worst and God at his best. Luke tells us that when Jesus was arrested, he said, this is the hour I've come for, the hour when darkness reigns. Jesus has come as a rescuer because all of us need rescuing. Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So Satan thinks he has all of us. Unless we are rescued. And hell's undiluted hatred is poured out on Jesus. From the very beginning when Jesus was born, Satan tried to snuff out his life there in Bethlehem. With the death of all those innocent children. And now is the final battle. As Jesus is led out to be crucified, all hell's hatred is focused on him. Pilate's final verdict, he would have declared in Latin, Ibis ad crucem, as he orders Jesus to be crucified. So in the crucifixion of Jesus, we see Satan at his work worst and Jesus at his best. Devil always overreaches himself. He thought it out, thought and outflanked Jesus by enlisting one of his own friends to betray him. How hurtful is that? That one of your own friends, who you've walked with, talked with, shared life with, would betray you. The devil must have thought he'd outwitted Jesus at his trial, condemned to death by the religious authorities. Those who were there on earth to represent God condemned Jesus to death. The devil must have delighted in Pilate's fear and weakness. Although Pilate knew Jesus was innocent, he knew he was an innocent man. He caved in. To the shouts of the crowd. To the fear of his own status and his own future. The devil must have rejoiced over the torture of Jesus. And Jesus was flogged. 
His very flesh ripped apart, ripped off his back and front and legs all over. He would have rejoiced because Satan rejoices in evil. He rejoices over Syria. He rejoices over war. He rejoices over pain. He rejoices over sickness. That's who he is. And he rejoices over Jesus, humbled, tortured. Not imagining for a moment that Jesus has done that willingly. He has given himself willingly to all that was happening to him as he glorified his Father in obedience, as he brings a new freedom and glory for all mankind. Imagine when Jesus breathed his last. Do you imagine the devil just rejoicing? God is dead. God is dead. The devil knew who Jesus was all along. The crucifixion is not just something Jesus endured, but it's something he chose. It was the price of my forgiveness. My forgiveness. My sins. That's what it cost. For me to stand here forgiven. For me as a 19-year-old to put my trust in Jesus and know the forgiveness of sins in my life, that's what it cost. Jesus on the cross. And it is the same for you And for all of us, that's what it costs. God loves you so much. And Satan's curse over mankind is completely undone by Jesus. What went wrong in the Garden of Eden, as we looked a few weeks ago, is put right in the Garden of Gethsemane because Jesus undoes the devil's curse. That whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. And John records what he saw and what he heard. And he wants you to know he was there. He's an eyewitness. He saw how Jesus was forced to carry his own cross. We, we think it was just the cross beam We're not exactly uh, 100% sure of what the cross looked like. But what we do know is that Jesus carried his own cross to the place of execution just outside the city, Golgotha, place of the skull. Crucifixion was invented by the Persians. It was perfected by the Romans. It was probably the most cruel way of execution that human beings have thought up. And Jesus went through it. John just says here, they crucified him. In all the films and in all the paintings that have ever depicted the crucifixion of Jesus, not one has ever depicted it as it really was. Because we wouldn't do that. All those crucified would have been stripped naked 
It was the final shame, the final indignity, that you would be strung up on a cross absolutely naked for the world to see. And so was Jesus. You would have been fixed to the cross by iron nails, hammered probably through the wrists and ankles. And when you were lifted up on the cross, it was so hard to breathe. And the only way you could breathe was to lift yourself up from your legs to catch your breath, and then you would suffer again. Agony. And to get another breath. And sometimes, people who were crucified, it took days for them to die. So cruel. Jesus wasn't crucified on his own. We're told there were two others crucified with him, one on either side of him. The other Gospels tell us that one turned to him in faith and one hurled insults at him. John doesn't include that detail. The way people died on the cross was they ran out of strength to lift themselves up. They suffocated. But it could take some time. John describes some of the details he saw. He notices the notice put above the cross. Pilate had prepared and fastened it to the cross. It was common to do that. Even today in some uh, countries of the world, you'll see condemned prisoners taken out to a place of execution with a notice around their necks describing the crime they have committed. Not long ago in one of our newspapers, there, there was the same picture, 20 men on a cart. They all had these signs of what crimes they'd committed. Two of them were executed. The other 18 were taken back to prison. And then the next day, they would bring them out again. The purpose of the notice is to say this is what happens to people who do this. And it was the same in the Roman times. The notice was to say, this is what happens. But it said, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. See, Pilate had a discussion with Jesus about kingship. He'd actually asked Jesus, are you a king? And Jesus had said, yeah. My kingdom is of another world. The Jews were so angry with Pilate because they said, no, you can't put he is the king of the Jews. You have to put he thought he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate in his last kind of the only thing that he could get back on the authorities was I've written what I've written. It's his final gesture of contempt for the religious leaders. Jesus of Nazareth King of the Jews. Then you notice it was written in three languages. It was written in Aramaic, the local Hebrew. It was written in Latin, Roman language. It was written in Greek, kind of the universal language of the day. It would be like today having a notice written in probably 
I don't know, a local dialect, English, which is the world language at the moment, and Chinese. They will be the main languages of this world for our generation and the generations coming. So if you fancy learning Chinese, it was a universal display. And maybe wittingly, maybe unwittingly, Pilate declares the truth to the world in the main languages of the world that Jesus is the king. Secondly, John notices the execution squad, which was made up of four soldiers, dividing Jesus' clothes. Jesus would have probably had an outer garment, a headscarf, a belt and sandals, and his undergarment. Five items. They share out the four, and when they come to the undergarment, which was woven in one piece, they gambled for it. Because they didn't want to cut it up and share it. They gambled for it. Fulfilling one of the scriptures. I want to read to you just a few verses from Psalm 22. And as I read these verses from Psalm 22, will you be making a connection? Psalm 22 verse 1. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Verse 7, all who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. They say, he trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Verse 14, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. Verse 17, a band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Verse 18, they divide my garments among them. Ring any bells? Psalm 22. Written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus. Prophesying this very moment. Verse 27. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord for he rules the nations. Last verse of Psalm 22, it is done, it is finished. Jesus fulfills this psalm, he is the righteous sufferer, he is the true king. John also records who was there, there was a company of women. There was Mary, Jesus' mother, Mary's sister, there was the Mary, the wife of Clopas, and there was Mary Magdalene. And then there was John. And Jesus, while he's dying, entrusts Mary to John's care. Now, why was John there? None of the other disciples made it to the cross. Why was John there? Well, we can think of lots of reasons. John takes care of Mary for the rest of her life. Early church history tells us that Mary lived with John in Ephesus. John was also there because he needed to be there. One of the disciples needed to be there. 
They needed to be there because within years, some would be saying, did he really die? Maybe he didn't die. Maybe he swooned. Maybe he recovered from the crucifixion. Maybe it's all a lie. I still hear that today. Now John was there, so he saw it, and he wrote it down. And he shared it with the others of those disciples. John was there when they came to break the legs of the prisoners because they wanted to get this crucifixion over and done by, by the Passover. They want them hanging around on crosses. What can we do? They break the legs. What happens if you break the legs of them? They can't breathe. They can't lift themselves up anymore. So they break the legs of either of the two criminals on either side of Jesus. When they come to Jesus, they don't break his legs because he's already dead. So what they do is they thrust a spear right through his side. Fulfilling many prophecies. One, none of his bones will be broken. None of Jesus' bones were broken. Out of joint, pulled around, yeah, but not broken. And his side was pierced. And John records that when the soldier put the spear in his side, there was blood and water separated. The blood had clotted. That's a sign of death. It fulfilled the prophecy in Zechariah 12, they will look upon the one they have pierced. And then he just mentions two things Jesus said. Other gospel writers mention other things Jesus said on, on the cross as he died. John mentions just two, I am thirsty, and then the final cry. The word that Jesus cried out was tetaleste. Tetaleste. It means it's done. It means it's finished. It means paid in full. It means the debt is paid. That's what it means. And just before Jesus dies, he cries out, it is Finished. This is the moment when the world changes. God has come and died for the sins of the world, but whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is it. This is the moment. Jesus gives himself up to death on a cross. For my sin and yours. The sacrifice was for all people. He who was from eternity dies. Charles Wesley wrote an amazing hymn about it, and he just one of his lines is Tis mystery all, the immortal dies. I don't know what else to say. He did it for you and he did it for me. What else can we say? 
My Jesus, my Savior, he did it for you. He did it for me. God is for us. God is for us. God is for the world. God is for everyone. God wants to save. Satan wants to have as many as he can in hell with him. Jesus comes to break that power, set people free. Heaven is going to be full. Because the gospel is running right round the world. And it's running to us. The question is, are you for God? I meet people who have this imagination that there's, there's the people who believe in God and then there's people who, who, who might go to hell and then there's this group in the middle that, that have a sort of in-between thing. Jesus come to rescue because all of us are claimed by the enemy. He claims us all. That's why Jesus came. And when we trust in Jesus, we are saved forevermore. Jesus is the one. Would you put your trust in him today? If you're a believer, would you continue to believe today? If you're a believer, would you make a stand for him today? If you're a believer, would you say, I'm going to live for Jesus for the rest of my life because this is so important. This is not just words on a page. This is cosmic, transforming power of Jesus. Would you live for him? And would you make a difference in this world for him? When we gather next Sunday, we're going to worship because he rose from the dead. No one else has done that. Jesus, who was God in the flesh, broke the power of death. Today we remember, and this week we will remember, and Good Friday we will remember this awesome sacrifice, which was for us. We sang a song earlier, what can I say? What can I do but offer this heart in worship to you? So let's pray.